It's another wonderful day that the Lord has given us. He's allowed us that moment to rest in the night and rise this morning to glorify Him. And uh, this morning, you're looking at me, and that's only because Brother Terry Osborne called and asked me to fill in for him since he's up in Oregon tending to his mother. And we pray that all is going well with Rowetta and family there. And um, they will have safe journeys back, and he'll be back here before us. Uh, surely next month, we pray. Um, it's been a while probably since I've stood before you and had a reading, but this morning I wanted to take a look specifically at someone that we many times, if we've read the book of Acts, and we think about what happened to him, and then what events then followed that would come to be known as Paul and what he would become to be. I think there's so much to learn from a man called Stephen. And much more than it was precious, precious, his sacrifice that he essentially was giving in his life as he was stoned. But there's so much more to find about Stephen. Even though in just those two chapters of Acts 6 and 7, we know that those things um, are there to tell us a little more about it. We don't know how old he was. We don't know more than what those few verses tell us. But they tell us, I think, a lot more. And in my mind, personally, I look and read this. And in these verses, as I read about Stephen, what I do is I find that he was the precursor or the came before Saul, who would become Paul. Paul wasn't, Saul wasn't a Christian. He was persecuting Christians. But he lived a life that then, as we read more, if you were to take time to read about Paul and reflect back, how much Paul's life really was full because of what that man Stephen was um, in so many ways. So this morning for the reading, if you have your Bibles, we'll look into Acts chapter 6. It's 15 verses long. Verse 1. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Jew Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte, proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. 
Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freemen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist or work against, as it would be, the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him, saw his face, saw his face as the face of of an angel. Now, with these verses and correctly read on my part, barring any error, that is the scriptures that we'll study this morning and we'll follow on into chapter 7. Um, and then we will also take a look at a concept that we will read over and over here um, in this context, and that's full. Just a simple four letter word, full. And we'll follow that through the lesson. So at this time, we have uh, the great moment, opportunity, and to go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. So if we would humble ourselves in some manner as the one selected leads us. Again, it's wonderful to look around and look into the faces of all that have come to the service this morning. And as um, Brother Darren prayed uh, this morning, we're so very thankful that the Lord is continuing to watch over each soul here, uh, especially as we think about Brother Frank and his healing. And it was, of course, so wonderful to be able to see Frank stand before us this morning and offer a prayer. And that's wonderful to be able to see that. Amen. Um, it's uh, uplifting and it's uh, encouraging to each person that struggles from moment to moment, day to day, um, as we might. And as we do that, we know that we can turn to God and his strength will get us through. And again, we continue to pray for all those that, that Darren mentioned in the prayer that they will build, build up in the most holy faith and be strengthened and comforted as their needs would be. Now, as we look to the scriptures here in Acts chapter 6, and we think about Stephen, and we'll kind of work through the, the chapter, but also I want to expand on that. So we're not going to necessarily do an expository on every word that's here in chapter 6, but parts of it we will. Now, thing that, one thing you might want to remember here, the church has been established, but it's growing. It's, it's manifesting itself to the world, but at the same time, there are issues and problems. We know that uh, people that were obeying the gospel and becoming members of the Lord's church, as it were, uh, being added to the Lord's church, um, that 
they were laying down their goods at the feet of the apostles and everybody was sharing and everybody was caring and giving. It was a special, significant moment in time. It was different. And we know that it was a busy time. Um, I, so there was a moment in time when all of a sudden the apostles were just overwhelmed almost with them trying to preach the gospel and at the same time they were ministering to the family of God that was gathered together there in Jerusalem and they were having to take care of this ministration that's a word that's used in the uh, King James Version distribution in the new King James Version and it was helping them have food and the necessities of life. And because many of them have given up things or they were poor in other ways, um, sick in need. Now, surely, of course, the, the gospel was there, the powers of the Holy Spirit, there was healing of the bodies to be healed in those ways, but you still had to have sustenance of food. And the apostles were busy. And they hear, they say that... Um, he summoned, they were very busy, it's, and there was a dispute, actually, between the Hebrews and the Hellenists. Now, again, the King James refers to the Gentiles, Greeks, as it were, the Greeks. The Hellenists were the Greeks. So you had a, two different populations of people, and you pull them together. Yes, they had become Christians, but you got to figure, many of these uh, people were of the Jewish faith, and you got these people that were non-believing uh, in the Jewish faith in God. And all of a sudden they come together, there's going to be a clash and some conflict. And as they did, they were thinking, well, these people are getting better served than we're getting served. And so there was this interpretation. And so the apostles saw this and they, you know, came together with them and said, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Now, they were going to choose seven men, and it gave the stipulation of what they would be. They would be of good reputation. And in the process of this, um, they looked around and saw these men. And, of course, all these people, to one degree or the other, are relatively new to the Christian faith. But there were those, of course, who grasped it and took it and just were able then to be able to use what they were hearing and understand it and be able to help others. Well, these people had good reputation. They were honest. They were sincere. They were loving. They were caring. All the things that you might think in a good reputation. And then it says they're full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Now, in this case here, we're talking about that they had already had the Holy Spirit taken in, as it were, in this first century church, some more than others. We know that. You know, you could uh, look at examples where maybe there were people that would fall away from the faith, but these people had taken in uh, the word and they had been blessed. And um, we know then that they had been blessed with that fullness of the wisdom of the word. And we read, of course, further that after these seven men are appointed, they are going to have the hands laid on them, that they would have this blessing. And again, those gifts that we read about in 1 Corinthians, um, where it talks about the gifts, that then they would be able to do things, uh, have the power for miraculous healings, or uh, being able to uh, teach the word with wisdom, 
that's given through them through that uh, Holy Spirit, uh, being able to speak in tongues, those kinds of things. So these men, these seven men, were such that they were going to be able to be filled, as it was, uh, with a certain fullness. Now, it's interesting that they specifically mention here uh, when it says that in they, uh, verse 5, and then the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and then it mentions Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, those also. I don't think that necessarily means, uh, in my mind, that the others didn't already have the qualities, but specifically, Stephen is being called out as that person who really has identified himself and given himself uh, fully and wholly and completely to the gospel and the cause of Christ. These others were there doing that too, but also I think it tells us that Stephen, if you were just to take this verse, something special about this man is there and it's special that's going to happen. And we don't know what that is, of course, unless you read on. But it's special for Stephen here to be able to be not identified as a man full of faith in the Holy Ghost. Now, one thing just to talk about that four-letter word full. In Vine's dictionary, it's the sense of being filled. The sense of being filled. Strong's goes on and says it's by analogy complete. So this is something that we would later think about the Apostle Paul. He was definitely had that sense of being filled and analogy being complete. But hey, Paul's not Paul at this time. Paul is Saul. He is a Pharisee of Pharisees. He is someone that's going to be persecuting the Christians. And he's going to come into play here shortly in chapter 7. And so we're going to know these things about Stephen. And I just kind of want you to keep out there in your mind the thoughts or the back of your minds of Apostle Paul and what he's going to be doing to the Christians specifically in the stoning process of having Stephen stoned. And that this man would become Paul, the vessel chosen by God, to be able to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And in some ways to me, Stephen is a conduit that works to have Saul and his heart pricked to the point that he's going to forever carry the death of Stephen before him. So as we read on there and we talk about this, it also mentions, of course, the word full of power. And I think full of here says full of faith in verse 8, full of faith and full of power and great wonders and miracles among the people. Well, here we see the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit working in Stephen. He's been given this power. And we're going to see this also in other apostles, other people that have had their hands laid out upon them. And they're doing miraculous things. And they're bringing people to the church. Again, the, the concept of the power of miracles was just to be able to perform, as it were, that the gospel is there. 
and it is able to be seen. These people had not seen or heard of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. Some of the people in the church, of course, maybe had been there and witnessed the actual blood flowing from Christ down that cross and his death. I've often wondered that many times. How many of those people that maybe had actually visually seen the crucifixion of Christ actually then were able to, to come to Christ on that day of Pentecost when Peter preached that first gospel sermon? I've just wondered who was there and who was there and saw it and turned away and didn't accept it. And it's just something that today I think about. There's people that hear the gospel, but then they turn away from it. It's, it's something that comes to me. Now, power in this specific um, verse here, Strong comments that the, it is the ability as given by the Holy Spirit. So it's not a power that, that Stephen had in of himself. The, the power came through the Holy Spirit. It was bestowed upon him, as it were. I find another annotation here in, in verse 615, or in 615, where it's at the end. And one thing he's doing here in the latter part of uh, chapter 6, Stephen is, is someone that is, is out there preaching to those Jews in the synagogue. And as he preaches, then of course these people are pushing back against what he's saying. And as they push back, they're kind of uh, resisting is the word that's used in the uh, New King James Version. So they're pushing back. They're resisting. And they push back so much. And maybe this is one of the early times when you look at the scriptures here when um, all of a sudden here's a man that's not one of the apostles and he's out there teaching the gospel. He's teaching Jesus Christ crucified. And these Jews aren't going to accept it. They're pushing back. And they're pushing to the point they're going to do the same thing they did with Christ in a sense. They went out and suborned, suborned is the word in the King James Version. They went out and grabbed some men basically and said, okay, come over here and we want you to go tell some lies about this man. Tell them that he's corrupting um, the religion that we know. He wants to turn us against what Moses taught us. So they did this. And that's the same thing they did with Christ. They, Christ was crucified on a bunch of lies and on that covetousness and jealousy of who he was as the divine son of God. So this man, Stephen, is doing that with his whole being, with the fullness and wholeness of everything he has He's teaching Jesus Christ crucified. And the Jews were not about to put up it. So they set up these false witnesses. And um, they say, For we have heard him say, verse 14, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. You go back and take your mind to the Gospels. It's exactly what they were doing with Jesus Christ. And all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Now that's something to me is, 
Here are these people that are working against the truth of God, his word, and some capacity, they're seeing something different. They're not going to accept it, but they're seeing someone whose face was as an angel. Now, I'm going to maybe take a little liberty here, but I'm going to think myself where the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That word face is used there with Jesus Christ. Here we see the face of Stephen. It's as though it was an angel. He's not. He's a man. He's not an angel. But the Holy Spirit has worked in this man. And is working in him as he speaks to these people. And he's not finished. Because they're going to have to listen to this man whose face seems as though it's an angel. Because they had brought him before the council. He's there to have accusations thrown at him. And he's going to defend not so much himself. He's going to defend the gospel and God's word. And he in chapter 7, which I'm not going to try to go deep into that but we need to know in chapter 7 they asked him the high priest says are these things so and then he begins that Stephen says brethren and fathers listen the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia he goes on Stephen goes on to proclaim essentially the history of the Hebrew people and he tells them about Abraham and he goes on, he talks about Egypt, and he talks about Moses, and he talks about all that the Hebrew history is. He relates it to them word for word. Now, those people that are commentators and expositors, academians, they'll take this and say, well, he didn't quite say this right, or he left this little part out here. But through the Holy Spirit, he is expounding on the history of the Jewish people. And he talks about how the Jewish people rejected many of those people. They rejected Moses. They brought down a golden calf. And he talked about the rebellion. And in the end, in the latter part of chapter 7, as it begins in verse 44, he talks about the tabernacle. And he talks about it was a witness in the wilderness. And then in verse 48, he goes on, he says, However... The Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Now, you've got to remember, these people are saying, oh, we've got the temple, and that's what we have, and it's everything, and there's nothing else. We've got to do this and that in the tradition of our fathers and so on. But we know that Jesus Christ, when he died, the scriptures tell us, he nailed that old law to the cross. It was done away with. So what they were hearing, though, was something against everything they had believed. Verse 49, it goes on and says that the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? So Stephen, at this point, is going to start to show another fullness. Now, if you think about Jesus Christ coming into the world, in Matthew 6, 22 and 24, 
it talks about the light of the body and the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So we know that Jesus Christ, he came as the light in the world. And we know that Jesus Christ has talked about that in Christ's words, that in Matthew 5, uh, where the Beatitudes occur, verse 14 through 18, he says, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on, on a hill and cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. For verily I say unto you, um, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or tittle shall no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. I say that, read those particular portion of the scriptures. Stephen was full of the scriptures. He knew the scriptures. They was inspired and given to him to remember all these things. He hadn't seen all that. He hadn't lived all that. Yes, he had heard it. His tradition had been passed down, and he had gone to the synagogue, and they read and read those old scriptures. But he was full of the scriptures. And his speech here in chapter 7, when you have time, you go read it. And then what I'd ask you to do is you turn over to Acts 13 and you go read verses 16 through 41 and, 40 and on through 52. And you're going to hear Paul expound a sermon that's going to cover the history just as Stephen did. The only difference is they took Stephen out and they did stone him. Paul would leave Antioch safely. But, if you read that, chapter 13, you'll find out they followed Paul to Iconium and all. And as they did, they found him. They stirred up the people, just like these people were stirred up. And they take him out and they stone him. The difference is he lives. God's purpose was not yet fulfilled for Paul. But Stephen here, he's going to be having that strength to be able to expound because he knows the scriptures. And one thing for us, if we are going to reach other people and to present the plan of salvation and present the gospel, we need to know the scriptures. We know in Ephesians 1, 17 through 20, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What do we read about Stephen? He had been given the spirit of wisdom. Here we hear Paul writing to the Ephesians. The you unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. It's before us in the scriptures. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. So our days need to be full. Stephen's days were full, but hey, Stephen's days were short. I don't know how old Stephen was. Was he a young man? Was he in his 30s because of the nature of the Jewish custom of being able to interact and live in that culture in the religious sense? Was he older, 50s, 60s? I have no idea how old this man might have been. But the reality is his days were full, and he was full of the scriptures. Our days need to be full of studying the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 17, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, and all good works. Now in the process of us knowing this, and even for that first century church, those seven men, the body of Christ that was worshiping together in a congregation um, in the first century, they needed to be full of the scriptures so they would, and wisdom so they'd be able to edify one another, such as we. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. He was full of wisdom, it tells us. Acts 6, 3 and 10. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among seven men of honest report, full of ghost and the Holy Ghost and the wisdom. And then in 10 it says, and that they were not able to resist what? The Hebrew uh, leaders and people there, they weren't able to resist the wisdom. It wasn't so much that it was Stephen's wisdom, it was the wisdom of the gospel that he had, that he was imparting that he was letting others see and know. But his days were full of wisdom and understanding. Colossians 2, 2, 3. It says, this is Paul writing to the Colossians, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You're looking for wisdom and knowledge? The wisdom and knowledge you need to be looking for is in this book here. It's there before us. Now, the next thing really to note what Stephen was full of, something I pray more for, and that's be more bold, be more of courage. He was full of courage. Listen to this in Acts 7 where he turns in his next words to say to the people there, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Boy, you talk about a man standing up and letting people hear it and letting them know it, that you people, you need to hear this. Now, he's not telling them you're condemned. He's telling them this is what you did, and he's really appealed to them in a sense 
You need to repent from this. You need to change, but they're not going to hear it. And that today it's almost as like me. How did these people not hear and see it and know this? But they didn't. They were so in touch with their habituated habits of centuries of the Hebrew people that continually rebelled against God. That's what they held to. Well, they didn't like what they were hearing because in verse 54 it tells us, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Boy, you talked about feeling that guilt. They felt it. They knew they were guilty, but they gnashed with their teeth. Now, you know the concept of gnashing with your teeth. is like you hold it, you grind it, and, you know, it's just, but the other thing to me, uh, but that goes on. And next it says, but he, that being Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now these are moments that God is using Stephen to speak this and live this before he dies. And how special Stephen must have been in the eyes of God and of Jesus. It this goes on and says, verse 57, and then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. They put hands over their ears. And they ran at him with one accord. To do what? To take him and cast him out of the city and stone him. And those that were witnessing this, they stoned or uh, laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Here's Paul, or would be Paul, Saul, watching this, condoning it, taking part in it. And when he'll leave this, as you read on in the next chapters, he's going to take off with a letter from the leaders of the Jewish leaders to go take people, bring them in, put them in chains, persecuted, tortured, some put to death maybe. All this is going to happen. But in this moment, these are people there, they're, verse 59, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. This is a lot to me. It's, it's very heavy. But what's Stephen exhibiting here? He's ex exhibiting another fullness. Yes, you hear the word martyr. I think it goes beyond just a term martyr. It goes on. He was full of love and forgiveness. Acts 7, 6, he said he nailed down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin on their charge. Doesn't this sound like Jesus on the cross? Christ speaking in Luke 23, 24, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
I don't know. Could Stephen have said these words on his own? Well, I, I do believe that he had so become absorbed through the Holy Spirit in such a way that it was him that was looking back at what he's learned to be able to reflect on that and say, I'm going to give my life all that I am to die, to die for the cause of Christ because he knew he was going to live. He's going to live and be with the Father. And we know that window that opened and he gazed into, into heaven. And we know that to me it's as though um, Jesus, it says, um, and Stephen was stoning, he was calling in God, saying to the Lord Jesus, receive my soul. And to me, it's as though, again, Christ was standing up and reaching out to Stephen in this moment in my mind, that he was seeing all this happen before his eyes. But you know, love and forgiveness is something that doesn't stop with Stephen. It's something that we as Christians have to be a part of doing all the time. Matthew 5, 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use and persecute you. Christ further speaking in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Ephesians 4.32, the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. As I look at Stephen, I also read in these scriptures, I don't ever see word for word that he was sitting in a congregation hearing the apostle preach or something. But I think his days had already proved he was full of worship and prayer. He was full of it. And he was there praying to the Father. He was filled with that Holy Spirit. And he was continually in his mind that continuation of worship that was not just in a temple. It was not in the temple made with hands. It was with the body of Christ that he was serving. He was a man that was simply willing to minister to the Hellenists and the Hebrews. It didn't matter what Greek or what culture you had come from. You were Christians. He humbled himself and did that, and he did more. But it took that humble heart that he had, that humble atmosphere that um, just flowed through him and out of him, to be able to serve, not just those people, but to serve the gospel and Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. John 4, 23 through 24, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Lord in spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Jude 20, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. 
And my point is here, not so much the assembling itself, but verse 24, and let us consider one another provoke, provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Philippians 1.9, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. It's so important that we know that we need to be about worshiping. We need to be about being the good Christian, doing good works. We need to be able to uh, forgive, and, and we need to be able to uh, give that good example to the world. But our cause, of course, is the cause of Jesus Christ. Paul continuing. I, to me, when I speak of Paul and I've talked about Stephen, I, it's just so much that I think of all that changed in Paul's life because of what happened with Stephen and then Paul on that road there to Damascus and that that light that shone around him and caused him to be blind for that moment and be led down to the street called Straight and Nias tell him. And he believed and he knew because he was talking to Christ. He was there in that mind and hearing the voice as it were of Christ speak to him. Because Paul's reaching out, Lord, who are you? Well, he found out who he was. And he's continuing to write these letters. All the letters that he wrote to the different churches. Paul then in Ephesians 3, 11 through 21 says, According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and success with confidence by him, of, um, by the faith of him. Boy, that explains exactly who Stephen was in those first two verses there, 11 and 12. Wherefore, Paul says, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Savior, unto the Father, and of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his might by the Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages and the world without end. Amen. Being full of understanding of the measureless, measureless, we can't measure it, scope of Christ's love. Romans 8.39, that no height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to have days that are filled with the fullness. John 1, 16, 17. 
and of his fullness have all we received grace for grace. For the law was given Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Our days need to be full, full of replacing our will with the will of God. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We need to live with the boldness that Stephen lived with, because the judgment day is coming. 1 John 4.17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. We need to be looking for the full reward of heaven. So try faithful obedience. 2 John 8, 9. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Days full of walking faithful and steadfast is steadfast in the faith is where we need to be. Colossians 1.23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, which I, Paul, am made a minister. Acts 4.26, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple at that time, first century church in Acts chapter 2, breaking bread from house to house, and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So ask today, I ask, do I love God? How much do I love God? How full is my love for God? Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and all thy mind. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.